This bonus episode is a sneak peek into a new practice management series that will be included in the Premium Dialogues in Dermatology subscription starting in January 2020. Visit aad.org backslash DID to learn more and keep listening to learn more about EHRs. How can you help your patients move forward with care and you get paid in two business days? Start accepting the Care Credit credit card today. There's no cost to enroll. Call 800-300-3046 or visit carecredit.com slash AAD. Visit carecredit.com slash AAD to enroll today or learn more. So this is uh, Jonathan Cantor, and I have the pleasure of interviewing Dr. Davil Banasali for Dialogues in Dermatology. Uh, Dr. Banasali is a board-certified dermatologist. He's based out of New York City. Uh, He is a real renaissance man. He also works in digital health. Uh, he's uh, been involved in a lot of things uh, in terms of uh, his own work, including companies like Health Digital, uh, Air, uh, Skin Medicinals, and Hair Stem, uh, as well as Fast Beauty. So he's really one of these dermatologists who uh, really has their fingers on the pulse of the technology sector. So we're really lucky to have him for our conversation today on EHR optimization. So uh, welcome, Dr. Gonzalez. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, sure. My pleasure. So I had a few questions to touch base with on because I think a lot of our listeners are in the same boat as we you know, sort of struggle with not only using EHRs, but optimizing them. Because at this point, and you probably know these statistics far better than I do, the penetration of electronic health records is tremendous. So almost everybody's using them. Uh, I think at the same time, almost nobody is really saying, wow, I love my uh, electronic health record system. So the challenge then is saying, how do we kind of move forward and what are some tips and what are some tricks and what are some important themes that we're seeing now in terms of really trying to optimize electronic health records? So I would start with one question, which relates to um, the question of choosing EHRs. I think a lot of times people might be guided a little bit by the uh, cost of one versus another, uh, by the uh, size of that, uh, that, uh, the company that's backing it. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? And if you could touch on also, please, concerns about kind of the golden handcuffs phenomenon where, you know, people maybe end up signing up for an electronic health record because it's free, for example, in the beginning, and then next thing you know, you put in 10,000 records, suddenly they want you to pay for it, and the challenges of shifting out make it so that you're sort of stuck in that one place. So if you can comment on that, that might be really helpful. Sure. So there's a lot of points there and a lot of different ways to go. I'll kind of touch broadly on kind of my experiences, my thoughts kind of on the entire market on specifically some of the, you know, different EMR choices. And and the last point we made about kind of being held hostage, which we're actually hearing more and more of nowadays, which is really interesting. So a few things. So my pseudo conflict of interest is we built air. So my kind of my thing with all of dermatology um, and medicine as a whole, I'm very big on physician driven initiatives. I think the unfortunate consequence of us being so busy all day and, of course, you know, focusing on our patients first and foremost is that we kind of lose control in different facets of our practice, of our lives, and we're kind of at the mercy of everybody else. And often these people don't quite understand normal workflows or, you know, how our lives work or how our patient interactions are. And everything becomes kind of this black and white piece of paper and we kind of have to follow each individual step one by one by one. And I think, unfortunately, when that happens, it kind of leads to a lot of different barriers that are set up artificially. And the problem becomes that once you're kind of in these boxes, if you will, trying to do things your way becomes super frustrating. And as physicians, it took a long way for us to get here. We're pretty intellectual people. 
And sometimes, you know, we want to solve our own problems and we can't. And so I think that's where a lot of frustration happens, a lot of burnout happens, a lot of issues, you know, we feel like we're running in place. Uh, when it comes to the EMR world, it's really interesting. So EMR has a couple big players, Epic's the big hospital one. There's a few, you know, the modernizing meds, Nextex, and uh, all the other ones of the world. Problem with EMR is they're kind of thrust on us almost overnight, about 10 years ago or so. And even my own father, who's he runs one of those old school orthopedic surgery practices back in the day, seeing 90 patients a day, um, paper charts, all that stuff, had to, had to figure out how to get this EMR thing going, and he had no idea what it was. And he did the practice fusion, and obviously practice fusion, the big concern is they started charging eventually for it. Um, although I, don't, I think it was like $100 a month or something, so nothing crazy, but they, they did kind of change their business model after, uh, after time. The uh, interesting thing is, you know, you look at this stuff. I've worked with all the different EMRs. I've been in academics. I've been in private practice. I've been in, uh, I practice here in New York and Miami. So I've been in different types of private practices, seen literally all the different types of EMRs. And the issue is, is, is still pretty straightforward. There's a lot more work to do the patient record part and even furthermore getting the patient's reimbursement and things like that for the work that you've done than actually seeing the patient. There's more time that goes into the electronic side of everything than seeing the patient. There's more burden and stress that goes into that part of it than seeing the patient. So, you know, I always joke, but being a doctor is the easiest part of my life. It's everything else that's way more complicated. And, you know, seeing patients, that's my happy place. The, you know, the amount of time I can spend with them, I wish I could spend more. But unfortunately, there's so many different things we're kind of, um, we're kind of uh, subjected to that we're not able to. So, you know, with AIR, it was interesting. AIR, again, my pseudo conflict of interest, but it was kind of a fun project that people brought up. They're like, look, we hate our EMRs. What do we do? And we built skin medicinals before because there was an issue with drug access. With AIR, a lot of people, they talked about, you know, how come nothing evolves? How come our EMRs don't change at all? And I, I thought about that. Like, if I took your iPhone and went back to iOS 5, there's 0% chance you would let me do that. You'd probably kill me. Um, but if you think about every EMR, it's been in iOS 1 since the beginning, and it's not really evolved at all. And it doesn't matter what we're doing, how we're doing, how we're functioning, how our practice is changing, how we interact with patients. Are they texting the office more? Are they, you know, we doing teleconsult? All these different things. Very little innovations happen there. So the idea behind AIR was pretty straightforward. It's like, all right, let me ask a bunch of doctors, what would you like in an EMR system? Let's build this thing to be functional. And I always joke also about, you know, iPhone versus Android. Android is better, a much better phone than the iPhone, but iPhone's more concentrated on user experience. There's no EMR that cares about the user experience at all. It's just a bunch of technical kind of things. And so we kind of started building something, honestly, like an iPhone. And we thought about, you know, how do we, how do we minimize the number of quote-unquote clicks? How do we create, like, smart thoughts and smart barriers and things like that? I think wellness is a really interesting thing. It's, it's starting to kind of peak up deservedly so. How do people avoid burnout? Are there triggers that you can create that make people happier? I mean, these are like things that in the rest of the mainstream society we think of often. There's, a, there's an epidemic in medicine, unfortunately, with burnout and, and suicides and things like that. And, I, you know, for me, I, I think about why do we have that? What can we do on a behavioral standpoint to perhaps maybe help with it? And so you start building all these different things and, you know, you start feeling a little bit more kind of positive about a system you interact with. So we built up this whole EMR we actually did make it free, and there's no plan on changing that. But the idea is really simple. I, you know, I think this is more of a macro kind of thought, but I think our EMRs should work for us. Instead, I feel like we work for the EMRs. And, you know, I've thought about this a lot, and what you mentioned is actually very true, and it's terrifying that some companies hold people kind of hostage to this stuff. And so I think physicians should start demanding, you know, like the, 
know, when people give you a contract, it's not final. Negotiate it. Tell there's certain things you shouldn't agree to. You shouldn't be held hostage. You shouldn't have to pay $20,000 to port your records over or like a mandatory $10,000 fee to upgrade on some sort. I mean, right now, there's nothing that should be on a server. You shouldn't have physical servers in your office. It's 2019, right? So, you know, everything should be cloud-based. You can have HIPAA secure cloud-based technology. I think as physicians, the biggest thing is, you know, we kind of have to stand up for ourselves a little bit more and think about, again, what is our normal day? Where is our happiness? How do we interact with things to make us happier and, and to decrease our burden throughout the day as opposed to increase it? Great. Well, thank you. That was a really fantastic response. Appreciate that. Uh, you know, you touched briefly, and I think I did also, but you touched briefly on, you know, concerns about loss of control, about burnout, and that's certainly been an increasing concern in medicine. And now I think with the advent of um, EHRs, I think it's certainly uh, gotten more of an issue, and I think with the onerous burdens of uh, government requirements, et cetera. What are your thoughts on uh, scribes? I know that there have been some studies looking at burnout and studies looking at scribes. Uh, you know, I remember back in the day uh, using CPRS in the VA system as residents. We were kind of inputting all that uh, by ourselves. But I think a lot of right. people are transitioning more towards using scribes. What are your thoughts on that and any tips you have for our listeners? So I think they're necessary. I mean, I think it's part of, again, a physician shouldn't be spending their time typing on a keyboard. They should be looking at their patient. They should be feeling you know, their patient's condition, especially in dermatology, you should be feeling the rash, you should be feeling the bumps. When you take away that personal kind of interaction with the patient, I think you compromise the integrity of the doctor-patient relationship as a whole. I mean, it becomes very, almost like a third person in the room, the computer, right? And it becomes so much more transactional, I feel. And I think with scribes, having somebody, whether it's a virtual scribe, which truthfully I don't know enough about to, to honestly comment the legality, I know there's a lot more complexity there, but even having like a staff member or whoever present to kind of take notes and, and, and handling it later, I mean, I think it's necessary. I mean, the biggest thing right now is there's a lot of distrust, I think, between patients and physicians and, and patients thinking that, you know, I'm just a number or I'm just an appointment on your books, but you're not, you're not really looking at me, you're not really listening to me. And I think that, unfortunately, the computer has played a big part of this. While there's so many great reasons that I'm a scientist at heart, we love to do research, I think data trials and being able to self-audit your own clinical records is really fascinating and being able to figure out like this biologic on my patients and this demographic works better than the other one. Like that's the future of, of medical practice. But, you know, I think on the bare bones part of it, I can't be the one in the room typing all the notes, doing this, doing that. So we have to kind of create a better workflow to minimize that kind of interaction. Great. Great. And I agree. I completely, I love scribes. I think it's uh, amazingly helpful and, uh, you know, I signed up to be a doctor to be a doctor, not to type all the time. And uh, for me, I'm a big fan of being uh, present and really being focused on the patient when I'm with the patient. I'm lucky I get to spend a little more time with patients than some do, but especially for spending very little time with patients, it really, I think, is so important for the patient to feel like you are their only concern at that time when you're in the room. So I think that's a huge point. Any thoughts that you have on the concerns regarding centralizing data with single large players? Uh, you know, we've had a trend, I think, uh, not just in dermatology, but I think across all of digital platforms and uh, certainly digital health towards the centralizing control with a few kind of big players, sometimes one, sometimes one or two. Any concerns you have regarding that, uh, particularly when we don't really necessarily understand uh, what these companies are doing with our data, uh, concerns regarding abuses, concerns regarding uh, what potentially uh, could happen down the road, uh, especially, again, with uh, a trend towards 
one or two companies having uh, all the data on all the dermatologists in the United States. I think you know, it's interesting. I, uh, you know, again, I'm that freedom fighter that is probably causing a little bit of noise in that world and, and probably making people annoyed. <laughs> but, um, but I do think about that stuff. I worry about that stuff. I think, look, this is kind of goes to the first point. I think physician-led care is important both in the office and outside of the office. I think there should be physician-driven companies because, you know, I like to think we took the Hippocratic Oath um, and it gives us a kind of something to stand on because ethics will always be number one, right? Data is important. It's not our enemy. It's actually going to help us. I and mean, again, I think about data a lot in terms of my own practice. Like, how do I know, you know, drug A versus drug B? I read the studies. I do this. But how do I know which one's better? I don't know. I'd love to be able to compare my own patients over time and figure it out. And I would love every doctor to be able to do that and look at what are your colleagues doing? How are their patients doing with this biologic? How are you doing with this biologic? How are you, does it differ by ethnicity, by age, by diet, by who knows? So I think data is powerful. I think the problem becomes when you lose the freedom um, and there's a lot of people involved who don't understand the importance of ethical data and ethical data use, then it gets really murky and scary. Again, that's why I wish on any big platform, whatever it is, any EMR, any, anything, honestly, um, there needs to be physicians that have a voice there and be able to kind of chirp when they think things are off or, you know, it's just, for me, there's just, there's a common sense factor to a lot of things. And, you know, I think people in general always assume the worst and do that stuff. And I'm sure there's um, a lot of kind of bad apples out there, but, you know, again, there's so much positivity you can create. I mean, I think the statistics, 5% of people are in clinical trials, right? So 95% of actionable data um, that lead to actual breakthroughs are, are in the EMRs. And the question is, like, you know, should you access them or not? And the answer I don't really know. But I do know that the conversation should be done amongst people who really have the best interests of the patients and the physicians at heart. I mean, that's, I think, maybe a bit idealistic, but it's honest. And I think that when you have a bunch of corporate people who've never been in a room making these decisions, it becomes a black and white number. And that, for me, always becomes a bit more terrifying. Right, and I think you touched on an important point, which is that with the rise of big data here, with the availability theoretically, that really we should be able to capture data on, let's say, I'm throwing out a number, on, on you know, 92% of dermatology patient visits in the United States, let's say. Mm-hmm. With that level of big data, if it were actually in a form that were useful, it would be amazing what it could do uh, to really help with patient care. And I know that's sort of the thrust behind some of the academies. Uh, moves like things like Datadurm, for example. But the challenge there is really making that really usable uh, and making that really meaningful because right now, and this kind of segues right into my next question, right now the problem is there's, I think, a disconnect between what we see when we see an individual patient, which is, you know, we see Jane Doe, who is a unique person who has a unique response to biologics, who just came back from her trip to Bermuda last week, whose grandkids are playing in the softball championship next week, and we know all these things, and we interact with those things, and we know what's going on with her in her life. Mm-hmm. And the output that we're getting through most of these uh, electronic health records, where you know it, it's I mean, it's not really a cut and paste effect like it used to be back in the day. Uh, you know, when we actually used to cut and paste, I will tell you as residents, we used to just cut and paste the old. Uh, notes and then, you know, edit or write a little bit in the beginning. Uh, You know, now it's a more sophisticated version of the same thing because I have patients, for example, who are referred to me who come from a dermatologist and they're using one of these large systems which have these super slick interfaces when you use them. But the output that I get as a consulting physician is this multi-page 
full of <laughs> kind of garbage that's absolutely irrelevant to me, irrelevant to the patient, yeah. and doesn't really make any sense at all. And you have right. to try to find the one or two lines, if you're lucky, that have any relevance to you or any relevance to that individual patient. So right. I didn't know if you have any thoughts also on what we can do to really kind of help ourselves. I understand people want to bill efficiently, and I understand the systems are designed to do that as well. But at the same time, it's you know, taking us to a nearly unintelligible level of electronic records that you know, when you read them, you know, in the old days, you asked for somebody's chart note, you could tell exactly what happened. It was very simple, very quick, and you could see what the issue was. You know, now right. you have to sift through all this information to get to the point, and even then you're sort of guessing what might or might not have been the issue because they didn't actually type it. They chose from a drop-down menu a lot of the time. Exactly. Uh, so any thoughts on what we can do as dermatologists to make that a little better for ourselves uh, and a little better for our patients? I think, uh, so I, we have that challenge with AIR, right? So we want to cre- create everything that's clickable and drop-down menus and stuff like that, right? Because we want to save the physician time. It's, my goal in life is a minute or less, right, of, of actual chart time for per patient. Um, the, but all the points you bring up are very honest and valid. And, you know, for us, and this is a conversation I had with our team, you know, like, how do we make this sensible? Where do you put the information? Where do you put the pertinent stuff? Where do you, there's certain things you're just going to have to document, you know, like the biopsy, like, you know, this many millimeters, this blade, this whatever. Um, that's just going to be jargon. That can be in one part of the note. I think the meat and potatoes of the note should be very clear, very simple, and very basic. I'll actually take that to another level. One thing I've always thought about is the single most powerful part about an EMR is the one part that's not utilized. It's the patient summary note, right? Mostly every EMR doesn't send a patient summary to the patient right? How often do patients leave the office without knowing exactly what their diagnosis is or exactly knowing what the next steps are, or what the medications are pretty much all day, every day, right? And every single one. And do we want the full note going to the patient? Probably not because there's a lot of stuff that they're going to look at and be like, you know, what is this? this is kind of crazy. But even able to create a template where it kind of creates a, a quick, you know, 10, 10 word, 15 word summary. You are here seen for this. These are the, ne- the medications and next steps. And these are the options we have here. Um, we'll see you when, like something simple like that doesn't happen really at all. And I think similarly, there should be a different context for a consultant note. I mean, you can have the whole long, long jargon, but there should be a quick little, maybe three, four sentence summary of, you know, patient was seen. Um, this is our diagnosis. This is kind of what we're doing. We appreciate the consult. Um, this might be the next best step for both parties. And I think, again, when you start viewing things with common sense, instead of like, you know, just checking a box and make, oh, we need to have this, let's put it in there. I think you can kind of create something a little bit less um, archaic and perhaps a bit more beautiful. Sure. Great. One of the big challenges we also see with EHR interconnectivity issues, right? So yeah. there are, while especially in dermatology, uh, the EHR market is concentrated in the hands of one or two big players, uh, in general, overall, there are big challenges here. So I, for example, will end up uh, getting secure text of photos of patients from people who also have electronic health records who are sending me the patient simply because there's no really good way for them to send me those photos. Uh, Or if I'm sending a patient to a tertiary center, uh, similarly, they're using, you know, the Epic type systems. We're using uh, our own smaller systems. They don't communicate. So we're, you know, we're kind of falling back to, uh, you know, EMR lists approaches to sharing photos, sharing health information, and communicating well. Uh, Any thoughts you have on what we can do to improve that uh, from an interconnectivity standpoint? 
Um, it's tough. Uh, the, the truth is that really should come from the top down. I mean, some of the biggest interfaces have their resources to kind of create those basic portals and everybody else can kind of um, almost build towards it, if that makes sense. There's been a lot of chatter um, about doing so. Have any of us seen it? Probably not. <laughs> and so, and this is in like years in the making. It's hard. I mean, again, it's it's one of those things where I think it, they should exist. I mean, our our kind of thing on air is like, you know, we'll interact with anybody. Just tell us what what we need to do, and we're happy to you know open up to any EMR system, transport. Like we want to simplify the whole process. But I think you know this Epic is probably the biggest one in the room, right? The biggest giant in the room. And they've been, you know, clamoring about doing something like this for a long time. I just, I truthfully haven't seen it. And I don't think most people have. And I think that should become a, kind of a more pressing issue, not just in dermatology, but kind of across medicine. And I think that's something where maybe the academies themselves should be putting pressure on kind of creating it. Because it's not really a economic issue. It's, a, it's really a patient issue. And I, I just, you know, for me, and, and I'm sure for you, the same thing, it's such a headache to try to get records from anywhere else. Like, it's just, it doesn't make sense to me. I, mean, I, I have a patient right now that I'm trying to get records for Accutane. And you know that there's like a kind of a ticking clock with Accutane. You have to get all these things. And the fact that we have to make like 10 phone calls, we have to fax something, which God knows, like nobody likes to fax anything anymore and do this and that. And it, it's just so bizarre to me. And, you know, I think with one of those things, I mean, I'd be, I'd love to build a central kind of connector to everybody, but I think, unfortunately, you know, nobody would listen to me. Nobody would connect to it. So it has to go from top down, whether it's a government initiative or, whatever, you know, whatever it is. But I just, I don't know. I mean, it's been, it's been so long in the pipeline, but I just haven't seen it come to fruition. And I'm probably as frustrated as you are. Right, right. That's great. You know, it's one of the, uh, the, the points I made, I think, early on, back when EMR was first becoming popular, the government was pushing it as a, you know, great for communication and connectivity. But, uh, you know, it kind of uh, was saying this to patients and the irony is that, you know, they're pushing everybody to adopt, but they haven't, they don't even have a standardized system for communication to begin with. So it's a big headache and big exactly. frustration. Thanks for your comments on that. And uh, segueing from there, what would you say, Dr. Bonasali, is the biggest headache you have uh, when dealing with uh, commercially available EHR systems? And what is your, what is kind of your solution for that problem? I mean, honestly, I think, Health. I mean, this is kind of a broad statement, but I think healthcare and dermatology is fragmented, right? The P, I mean, I'm big in digital health. So even if you're, I'm open, I just opened an office here in New York City. So how we market is different than what we marketed two, three years ago, right? I have um, you know, a digital social team. I have a digital marketing team. I have this, that, all that, you know. They don't interact with my EMR at all. You know, again, my pseudo bias that we have air, right? So these are things I actually thought about. And my theory on this, I'm, I'm very idealistic, so I'll always throw that down first, but... You know, my whole thing is why can't we create like an app store and you just kind of start adding apps one by one and the apps can only be added once they're integrated with the system. So you can kind of start figuring out like how do I bring everything at one place? I mean, depending on how advanced your marketing and digital teams are, people do funnels and click funnels and all that stuff. Your CRMs, those should all be integrated into your, your EMR and they're not. And it becomes so much more frustrating if I train a different person for this or that or hire this. And it's becoming like we're not, big companies, we're small business owners. And the fact that I have to worry about click funnels, juggling however many patients a day, like it, it's just, it's exhausting. And so for us with the EMR, we're like, look, let's just start building. I mean, our air thing is very interesting. You know how we started dealing with it. We're building this app store. We were building almost like an Amazon-like marketplace because I don't want to go to Henry Shine or, you know, Delasco, all these different websites to pick my gauze from here or my 
gloves from there or whatever it is, my scalpel from here. Like I want to just have one marketplace where I just add everything to a little cart and be done with it. I can look at the prices. I buy lasers. I want to all in one. I want to know how much these lasers cost. I want transparency. So, you know, the biggest kind of hassle we have is that everything is all over the place and everything is exhausting to try to figure out. And it takes so much individual time and effort. If you want microneedling pens, if you want this, you want that. I mean, it's crazy. And so the EMR should be your central point. It should be your kind of your quarterback for everything. Everything should be built to the EMR, right? So you should be, you know, even like if you have products or whatever it is, I always say that I don't believe in, we don't sell anything in my office. I just feel like, again, that compromises the patient-doctor relationship by me being a salesman. So there's no products here. But if I can have like a little skin store in my EMR that if I recommended something, I can get my patient a discount, it can be shipped to them, why not? I feel like that is the kind of future of dermatology. And, and, and honestly, it's how we should interact with technology. We should streamline everything and not fragment it. The more companies that pop up, the more things we have to deal with, the more people we need to manage all those solutions. And, you know, for me, it's always about simplifying everything. I mean, I think we're like, you know, I, I was joking today, it's like, I think like mental health day or whatever. And I feel like every one of us doctors really need one of those days because it's like, it's just, I feel like all day long, we have so many things coming at us and doing this and that. And we just, if I could just hang out and see patients all day long, I'd be in my happy place and just, you know, I'd be, I'd be big smiles, but you know, it's, it's unfortunately the administrative burden that gets really tiresome. So I, you know, I think, you know, not just us, I think all EMRs should really start thinking about centralizing the entire field itself and putting it to kind of one platform and then having everybody else kind of cater through that platform, because then it's not really about the EMR, but it's more about the person behind the, the system and, you know, how they're interacting with things. And I think if that happens, you can lower costs, you can have less middlemen in the, you know, in the game, you can have less reps coming and knocking on your door and, and, and kind of disturbing your flow of your office. You can have a lot of different things. And, you know, I, my, again, living very idealistically, I just, I try to think about how do we see the future and what would be our happy place. And if it doesn't exist, I think it's our responsibility to build it. And that's what I'm hopeful for, no. whether it's us or anybody else. And I think that's fantastic. Listen, I, I, uh, I kind of share your idealism in general. I sort of uh, will always joke that I think it's absolutely fine to try to imminentize the eschaton. I mean, why not try to make things the way they should be? Uh, you know, you want to, if you don't have kind of an aspirational approach, uh, then you're just uh, going to kind of fall down a slippery slope of cynicism. So I agree with you 100%. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, last question for you. Um, is that sure. what, what would you say is the best single electronic health record optimization move that you've made uh, that can be fairly easily implemented by our listeners, and how does that affect your practice? I mean, it's, it, people are going to hate me for this, and it's really, really, really kind of like impossible, but the simplest thing I've learned to do in life is finish your notes the same day and try your best to have everything teed up between patients. Um, it's not a true optimization move, but I think it's a true life optimization move because I think when we take work home with us, it affects our lives and in our relationships with our loved ones and ourselves and things like that. And I know it's increasingly difficult, but you know, whether you have to schedule one or two patients less a day or whatever it is, I feel like you have to get your stuff done at work within a reasonable time frame. Again, completely unreasonable, I'm sure. Um, and if you have to hire an extra staff member or scribe, whatever it is, I think for us, like that for me has been the biggest thing because when I leave the office, I want to leave the office. I mean, I'm happy to check emails if I need to, but it's, it's one of those things. There's a, that gutted feeling of having notes lingering over you and knowing that there's like some consequence or not signing them or doing them. And it's just, you know, I think it does take its toll after a while. So, 
you know, whatever that optimization may be, whether, again, it's hiring an extra scribe in the room or having MA do it, having your EMR, like with smart tabs and commands and being able to, to get the notes done fast. But I think it should be kind of a conscience effort to really make that a priority. And like, look, like I just have to finish this by the end of the day between patients, by whatever it is. Um, but I think that's probably it's necessary more than anything else. And I think that's kind of part of, you know, creating a kind of the, the right flow for your office and everything like that in your life in general. I think it's just, it's absolutely a must. Thank you. Yeah, no, I would actually second that. I mean, I kind of stress the importance in my office of really trying to have the patient's note and everything for that patient done before you go and see the next patient. Because exactly. in my mind, not only does that relieve you of that horrible pit of your stomach feeling that I know exactly what you're talking about because it only snowballs, <laughs> right, if it doesn't yeah. get done. And then you're going to want to go home. You're going to see, you know, your spouse, your kids, whatever it is, your dog. And you're over your head, you're going to be thinking about the fact that you still have to finish X, Y, and Z. But the other thing is right. from a patient care standpoint, I mean, if you saw 20 people that day, never mind if you saw 40 people that day or more, yeah. you know, how, how accurate are you going to really be able to be in terms of everything you're doing after the fact, right? Exactly. So I think 100% from a patient care standpoint, from a life standpoint, uh, I think that is so important. Uh, so I, I agree with you. Well, thank you again, Dr. Bonasali. I just wanted to, to thank you for uh, really a really informative and fascinating uh, conversation surrounding EHR optimization. Uh, you know, I think our, our dialogue listeners are, are, are really kind of, some of them are struggling with saying, what can we do better? Uh, and do others share our frustrations, right? Because we don't want to just right. be in the sounding board of all of us complaining and saying, yes, we all have this problem. Uh, so I love the idea of thinking uh, out of the box and trying to think about other solutions and other approaches. And thank you so much for your time and your insight and your expertise. And I uh, would really, really appreciate it. I appreciate it. And one last thing I definitely want to leave you guys with. You know, there's a lot of dermatologists that I'm sure are listening. And again, the one thing from before that I would love to reemphasize is we, you know, we are kind of in charge of our destiny and we should be in charge of our destiny. So if there are things that you do not like or things that are frustrating you, I just encourage everybody to try to figure out ways of, of kind of contributing to solutions um, because we should be driving the change in this field. And, you know, I'm always a resource. I mean, anybody can email me or call me whenever. Um, but it's, it's one of those things where I think as we come together as a field and as a group of people trying to push change, we'll only make our own lives better and, and more importantly, our patients' lives better. So, you know, that, that's one thing I'll stand behind forever. And I always try to make time for whoever um, we can help with any kind of notion. But I think, you know, at the end of the day, these conversations we have about EMRs and all these things would be much, much easier if we were uh, kind of pushing them ourselves. So I always tell people, you know, again, it's, we, we should always be on the forefront. I'll harp on it forever. But um, I appreciate the opportunity you gave me. And, uh, you know, again, I, I look forward to future dialogue. Great. Well, thank you again. And uh, thank you to all listeners for taking the time to listen. Thank you. Thanks. For more information on EHR optimization, please visit the Health Tech section of the Practice Management Center.